0: Welcome to the Uncharted 80s podcast. This is a podcast that's going to take you on a journey back in time to explore the hidden gems of the 1980s music scene. Join us as we dive deep into a world of what we consider to be our obscure 80s bands that often flew under the radar but left a lasting impact on the music landscape. Get ready for some unforgotten melodies, maybe some untold stories, some musical treasures. Uh, that we believe deserve the spotlight You're in hopefully for an adventure like no other Now I'm here with my uh, good buddy Noel My name's Martin And uh, Noel who I've known for over 30 years Who knows a lot about music Has been in and out of uh, around the music scenes And been to loads and loads of gigs as we both have And we just felt it's time that we want to bring those bands back into the spotlight. Uh, we do research the show from a variety of sources, but if you have any feedback on whether we need correcting or just want some additional information, that's fine. You can contact us via uh, podcast at uncharted Eighties. Dot com, And we also have a Facebook group uh, as well And if there's any songs We'll put those links in the show notes um, afterwards So the plan is that we'll bring A couple of bands to each podcast And uh, today we've got a couple of bands We're going to have a chat about uh, One that Noel knows very well uh, And one that I've got a bit more information on as well So, so Noel, have you heard of a band called Screen 3 I have indeed So I think they were a Norwich band They were a Norwich band And that That scene That Norwich scene I always felt Was perhaps a bit Underplayed Back in the 80s Because there was I think there was a few There was quite a lot of bands In that that scene Farmers Boys You know
1: Screen 3 The Hixons. Higson's ben, yeah yeah,
0: a couple of others
1: and obviously and, uh, uh, Charlie Higson then went on to be in The Far Show as well do you remember I do Chris Tony, the classic and then became a serious actor in Broadchurch actually I go on to The Higson's now but you know I thought I'd mention Charlie give him a shout
0: well I think it's a great shout I think The Higson's maybe one band I don't I'm not familiar with all of their work but they're a band that we can perhaps look at at some point um in the future because of course he also Charlie Higson's now started writing I think he wrote Junior Bond and he's bit. been He's now written a formal James Bond book as well that was released oh, wow. about a month or two ago. But screen three, well, you know, they didn't really have that many, that many singles, only had three or four singles out. But um let's just cover a few factual points about who, who they were first. The lineup they formed in 1980 consisted of a guy called Neil Dyer on guitar and vocals, Richard Kett on bass, and Brett Cooper on drums. They were then um, augmented by a couple of trumpet players, Peter TJ and Jason Votier, but they were that was later in later in 1981. So they started off as a threesome, yeah they did and interestingly enough they actually started from a band called the question which i thought was sort of quite similar to another band around that yeah, era the questions yeah. the questions yeah on that um well as respond label but uh, yeah the questions so that was they actually did perform only once mind you on the telly Oh really? Um, 1980, yeah, seventh of May, and they then obviously they were they were clearly they were evolving, but they went in then went into a a, a situation where they they changed their name to the Mexican Bombers, which I thought was a, a rather intriguing name. I'm not sure it would work today. Well, but, um, it sounds like they just had yeah. a really big, uh, really hot uh, hot chili. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, exactly one <laughs> of their time maybe, but they 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 did that and then they morphed into morphed into into Screen Three. As I say, they didn't have. They never made an album, and that's why. Oh, really? Never, never made an album. They were around ma- for quite a while, weren't they? Yeah, never made an album. Yeah, I mean, they did about, you know, they have been around for about three or four years, but they made just made some singles. But the first one, I guess, is the most interesting because that was the that was on like an independent label called Romans in Britain. And I'd like to I'd like to own up now that when when it when I first I thought I got it in in 1981 and i thought romans in britain was the title of the ep that it was on. i think that's the record for label it, isn't it for years, <laughs> for years i thought it was
2: yeah.
0: but yes it's the record label yeah and that was new blood and um european journey um i don't know if you you've heard those two songs
1: yeah i've i've heard them i really like european journey i think it's a great song heard a version when it was the three piece that played it originally and it sounded great then and when the horn section joined it, it got even better so yeah it's a great great song yeah i, mean, years that they played, I yeah. mean once again i
0: found all of their songs just fantastic i've I, I loved them but you know they there's there's i, I guess the one that probably made the, the biggest impact was after they signed for Epic. So they obviously the Romans in Britain was like an independent label. They then signed for Epic uh, Records and and released this uh, couple of singles, Hearts in Limbo, which actually is still a great song to this day. And then Coming to My Jungle, which was probably the one that I think got to the most sort of, I'm hesitant to call it airplay, but probably got a bit more profile than than some of the other, the other singles.
1: And it had oh, no. a... I know about the uh, the hearts in limbo because I think that's the one where they had the record producer that they didn't uh, appreciate, shall we say, for want of a better word, didn't like. I think they recorded it in Rockfield, where, where Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded. Actually, the guy had done something. Was it Bad Manners?
0: Yeah, Bad Manners. That's right. Roger yeah. Mass's name. They yeah. actually, I, I heard that interview. They interviewed uh, Screen Three about that. And they just, I think that maybe it was just one of those ones where the producers just didn't quite click with the, you know, with the band. But but that guy went on to do, he did, as you say, Bad Manners. He also did Selector and a number, you know, on their two-tone label. And Rockfield was, like, one of those – there is a documentary, actually, of Rockfield Studios is on – oh, Yeah, right. on – I don't know if it's on YouTube, but it, it was on one of the sort of Sky channels. But for ages, it was called, like, Dave Edmonds' studio. I'm a big fan of Dave Edmonds, as yeah, you know. Yeah, great, great. But stuff. actually, he was – he did a lot of his work there at, at Rockfield. So quite quite an iconic
1: studio, I think. It is, isn't it? I think it's a farmhouse, actually, near Monmouth. That's it's right. yeah. Are they used yeah, to. I did, there? Think they did. Yeah, they did stuff like I think Oasis did definitely. Maybe there. Ooh. Maybe I, I could be wrong. <laughs> definitely. No, I think definitely, they did. Maybe. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. See what, see what you did there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think they. Um, I think. I think they did. But that coming to my jungle was like the next one. And they also had a, a pretty um, sort of famous producer, Steve a guy called Steve Brown, and he went on to do Wham! And the second cult album. I thought that they were going to break in, you know, they were going to break into things, you know, because my, knowledge, my yeah. knowledge of them comes from, I saw them live, they supported The Truth, uh, with another band that we might look at at some point in our obscure 80s uh, list, but not that I think that they're obscure, the, they supported The Truth at Ellsby Friars um, in October uh 83 and i was blown away so i sort of then started to really take notice of them
1: and i've sort of kept kept up with it ever since so that's they had the horn section at that point then obviously in 83 they did Uh, yeah yeah some of the stuff sounds quite. i don't want to use the word funky that's a little bit too too dancey but has got a good soul vibe to it hasn't it with it with the uh the horns on it
0: well i don't yeah i don't want to keep dropping names in but we um Boing. What was that? A name drop. <laughs> but one of the other bands that we, I know that we both love is TV 21. And we may well feature them at some point as well. But they had their, the trumpet. And that sort of trumpet adding to a band, I thought was always you know, fantastic.
1: Agreed. Totally agreed. I think the uh, coming to my jungle again, talking about the sort of funkiness, reminded me just a hint of Joe Boxers. Actually, you know what? The reason I thought they were going to make it is
0: because they actually did a couple of b. They did two, or three BBC sessions. Obviously, you've got the Peel sessions that they did, uh, and people can find that on uh, on YouTube. And and Peel seemed to love them. You know, as a as a DJ, if you listen to some of the asides he makes between the 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 songs on the session because it's still on that um recording you could tell that he was really keen on the
1: uh, on the first appeal session they had a, they played a tune which i really like it's one of my favorites by screen three called red dust
0: They did another session as well, didn't they? Thanks. They did. They did a Kid Jensen session, uh, which, quite frankly, feels like it's like the Holy Grail. No, I I can't find it anywhere. Um, I've made contact with Neil to try and hopefully see if we can track it down. Uh, and if we do, then great. And if we can get our, you know contact and he, he comes back to us, we'll have we'll try and have a chat with him because I think he's got probably got loads of stories to tell us. Definitely, uh, definitely something sounds taken. good. And then lastly, I guess the they sort of sort of fizzled out they did come back uh, as a lot of bands often do they did try and come back in did a bit of a reunion in 1990 i i, I missed this completely so and it, it did include Neil Dyer, but the um the guy that had played uh, trumpet, I think it was. Yeah, one of the trumpet players, yeah, Jason. Yeah, yeah that's it, Jason Vertio. He went on to uh, actually play keyboards and doesn't sound like it. it. It sort of got anywhere, but I'd love to know why not. They did play some new material. Uh, they did do a couple of demos, apparently. So w- once again, don't know where they are in the
1: midst no, of time. Interesting. But... I think it was the original three guys plus... Uh... Jason on keyboards But that would have been Interesting if we could Find that
0: And then the other another Amazing fact <laughs> That I could find Is that The guy that played Trumpet uh, Jason Vautier, That played Actually played with Another favourite of mine Which was the Stranglers And actually was on Their live album All live and all of the night You know that interesting was Interesting stuff But
1: uh, actually talking about Talking about the The band members doing stuff afterwards. I um, I found out. <laughs> Have you found something? Oh, brilliant! <laughs> yeah, that's uh, on the sec- after the Peel for, for the second Peel session. A guy played trombone. Joined actually called um, Steve Osborne, and he then played the latest gigs with them before, in their original format until '84. He then went on to be a record producer and mixer, and he's done loads of stuff. And he originally partnered with Paul Oakenfold in Perfecto Records, which you know oh, is yeah. a massive name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now his own. He's done loads of stuff himself, including U2, New Order. And loads of albums, like the first Star Sailor album, which I really love. He produced and mixed, for example.
0: All right, okay. So, so Screen Three, uh, check them out. We'll um, we'll see if we can put some links uh, to some of their songs in the um, show notes. But genuinely, a completely obscure band that should really see the light of day, and I would love to see them be resurrected at some point. But um, yeah, they yeah, um. I mean,
1: considering know. they they like supported loads of big people, you know. They supported Elvis Costello, Madness, Aztec Camera, loads of bands. Um, yeah, Teardrop, of course. Yeah, yeah. So um? Yeah. You know, they had a, quite a bit of coverage, and inside to Epic, it's a real shame that uh that, that that journey ended with them, you know. I know, I know.
0: They did yeah. they did release a lot, one last single on Epic, but a, like a twelve inch single, City of Souls. And then, amazingly enough, they gave away they with the the money that they had from Epic. Actually, they they then created a song called "The Visitor" and gave it away at their last concert. So, wow. you know, wow, yeah, they, they used to do that a lot, didn't they? In the uh, back in the day, give away. Stuff at gigs and things, but it does doesn't seem to happen these days.
1: No. I was talking about gigs actually. One last thing that um John Peel DJ'd at one of their gigs. He never so did. they had a, a screen free gig and it was the week after the John Peel second session in October, October eighty three, and uh John Peel DJ'd at the gig before they played and Kid Jensen went to the gig as well. Oh, oh yeah. no, did he? Yeah, you should have gone to that one, mate. Oh <laughs> God, I could have got
0: the session. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> all right, no worries. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, if anybody wants to see that, they are on Spotify now. There's a there's two or three things, a couple of live albums, one particular great album called Live 1982 with a fantastic track called Family. I point you in that direction for sure. But the um, but you can um, you can listen to them and, and and let us know what you think. Uh, as I say, on the um, uh, either on email or on on Facebook podcast at Uncharted80s.com. Um, So, uh, Noel, who have you brought to the table alongside Screen 3 for us?
1: The greatest band who never got to be the biggest band in the world, I think. uh, The Faith Brothers. Oh, that's a bit of an intro. (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were fantastic. For me, they were just great. And like you were just saying, a band with a horn section on it always seemed to lift it completely, take it to a different dimension. That's exactly what happened with the Faith Brothers. They had the the horn section on there as well. Who were they then? So they were from Fulham in in in, uh, in London obviously. They were a sort of a socialist band really, but not socialist as in slouting show, slogans but more subtly in terms of the lyrics. They the the, the main guys the two frontmen if you like who got the photos taken a lot were Billy Franks on guitar and vocals and Lee Hirons on bass. But the band itself Consisted of a number of other guys. That was Steve Howlett on drums. Henry Tresize on keyboard. He was a great little keyboard player. Will Tipper on trumpet. And Gripper. Mark Waterman. Gripper <laughs> Tipper. Mark Waterman on sax. <laughs> And also, actually, Mark Hirons joined in 85 for the first album onwards, but he wasn't on the original early you know, gigs and things that I originally saw, although he had originally played in a band with Billy and Lee before the Faith Brothers. So,
0: How did you find, how did you find them then? How did you discover them? Because they, they probably weren't, uh, once again, they weren't a band that were well-known.
1: No, it's really interesting. The, the two memories that I have of kind of discovering them, the the first was it wasn't a discovery that made me go out and want to buy anything. As I read an article, a review in Jamming magazine. Remember Jamming magazine? Mm. And um, yeah. The, he started as a fanzine by tony fletcher as a kid and he turned into a a, a full-fledged magazine which is great what, what happened to all those fanzines there was tons of them around there loads yeah mm-hmm. kids used to do photocopies and stuff he didn't. yeah, like yeah. tell yeah. them at gigs yeah uh, extraordinary no, started...
0: sensations was one that i remember but... oh was it yeah, yeah. i think Sorry.
1: the uh the punk one was called sniffing glue i think that was one of those oh yeah punk fanzines yeah but yeah so yeah so it turned into a full full monthly magazine and that's a review of their self-pressed single called the tradesman's entrance And he gave it a really glowing review. And at that point, I'd never heard of them. I just lodged it in the back of my mind, oh, these sound like an interesting band to look out for. And that was that. Hmm. And then sometime later, do uh, you remember the Tube on a Friday evening? With, I do uh, very well. Jules Holland, is it? And, yeah, uh, yeah, and 48. Paulie Yates. Will- yeah, Paulie Yates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Paulie Wilcox. Then what, what am I on? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's about the house, mate. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, see, I'm going back, going back, to, back to my roots. So um, the, the, the Tube played a video of their first single, "Country of the Blind." <laughs> And it was great. Um, they were they were sort of lined up playing with red Harrington jackets on, and I think the tube had recorded their own video for the show. Right. I suspect because the proper video didn't really give the band enough justice for the for the for the song that it was. Personally, that's my view anyway. So that sounds good. And and you saw them loads of times, I think, didn't you? Well, I'd say, yeah. but I don't know what definition of loads is but you know i i don't know maybe lot. 15 times or something i don't know but the it's you know i look back at it now i bought the i bought the uh, the first time i actually saw them live they supported the alarm Birmingham Modian mm. so it was the alarm and, and the faith brothers to me two fantastic bands on the same mm, what bill.
0: double bill that is
1: yeah absolutely loved it and i saw the faith brothers were doing their own gigs in the marquee in london the old marquee before it moved I I taught myself down there. Can you believe I didn't take anyone with me? I went on my own. That's okay. Northampton on a midnight, on a a midweek train. Yeah, I know. It's just funny though. Going all that way into London, watching the band, getting the train back, getting home after midnight uh, on a school night. That's uh, on a work night, really. (laughs) Uh, I did that twice, actually, at the Marquee. So, um, yeah. I, think, I think there's something there, Noel,
0: about, you know, is it acceptable to go to gigs on your own? Because <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think it is, right? Because <laughs> but it's one of those things that often you don't do. People like to have a shared experience, don't they? But uh, maybe that's a topic. But I, I genuinely think there's something about um, it's it's actually all right.
1: I, I do as well, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, just an aside here, I worked in Dublin for a while. I was on my own in Dublin. And... Uh, I was, what can I do with myself on my own? I was there for quite a long time, and there's, there's three things I discovered like, I could do on my own, no problem. One was going to watch football. That's not a problem. You go to a football match, no problem. Yeah. One was go to the cinema. You don't yeah. need to talk to anyone anyway. No. Anyway, and then the third is go to gigs. And all those things you can do on your own, no problem.
0: Would you say so? Like we talked about with Screen Three, they supported a few bands. What Faith Brothers support the Alarm thing, but they must have done other bigger bands, maybe towards the
1: around that yeah, time yeah i mean they supported the boomtown rats and the alarm obviously and rem as well so uh it's really funny actually because we went to see them a group of guys that i work we went to see them at our, the rem gig in birmingham again we lived in northampton so it was a bit of a drive but we we watched the faith brothers and we went in the bar and didn't bother watching rem and like, oh that song sounds familiar i <laughs> this one goes out to the one i love yeah i <laughs> might have heard that but didn't bother watching them yeah and i was going to say to the the biggest gig that they they played, and the one that I I went to see them at, was a, a U2 gig, and they played a an outdoor gig at Milton Keynes Bowl called the Longest Day. That was basically the longest day of the year, Midsummer's Night, and it had a great lineup. It started with the Faith Brothers before U2 came on. There was also Spear of Destiny, Billy Bragg, the Ramones, and REM Whoa. before U2 came on. What, yeah, great. What's a the lineup. lineup? Fantastic. Yes, that's that's the biggest gig I saw them at. It was great. And what
0: Good about day. records? What did they have? Because obviously Screen Three we talked about didn't have. Have any uh, didn't have any albums. Did, what 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 are the Faith Brothers?
1: Did they manage to get get yeah? Them? They uh, they had a couple of albums out. The first album was called Eventide, and uh, well, a uh, uh, Hymn for Change, it was actually officially called. And they had a later album after that called uh, A Human Sound. The 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 early the early stuff, really, in terms of records, the Country of the Blind, which was that video I mentioned, yes, the first single, really great single, loads of horns on it, really good. And they'd been signed to a sub brand of Virgin Records called Siren Records, and there was other. Other bands on there, including the Cutting Crew, It's Immaterial, and and the, the the big money earner, I guess, would have been China oh, in my Hand Another so. name
0: drop coming. It's Immaterial. Think they might be a band that we look at at some point as yeah, well.
1: sounds good. Sorry sounds good.
0: Must <laughs> have, have a klaxon that goes off every time we
1: mention. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, a couple of albums, a couple of, and they had another single called "A Strange One Home Ground," another great song. both of those two singles actually didn't appear on the album which i think was a bit of a, a pity because i know it's cool not to put all your singles on an album but for anyone who anybody who just bought the album would have missed out on those two songs i think you know they were very very good
0: also they were did they chart those songs or not
1: uh i don't have the any chart positions i'm not sure if they they probably went in the lower lower reaches, lower, right? lower reaches maybe yeah i don't remember them being number one <laughs> no i do um, remember
0: a one of the tracks on that stranger on home ground uh Fulham court is that oh it? what
1: a song what a song again that would have been great on the album that's for me that's one of the very best songs so they've got loads of great songs but that was just really awesome grandma first appeared actually they did um before they were the faith brothers there was a band called the legendary luton kippers and they had a self-pressed ep snappy yeah yeah (laughs) and uh, but they had some fantastic four great songs which are pretty much pretty pretty pre-faith brothers stuff really right included um fulham court as well so you know they had well actually the fulham court ep and um yeah it was really really good why did they they put those songs on those albums then no idea I mean, I managed to get a German copy of the album. They did have the first two singles on it, but that's not sort of around everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's a pro- proper fan that is going, oh, to, yeah, yeah, going yeah. to Europe to get the- um, Sad get but them. true. <laughs> I think the Frenchman had it on as well, but yeah, sad but true. Another classic song was Easter Parade. I mean, that was an absolutely stunning song.
0: wasn't there a couple of versions of eventide i think didn't they do like a a rocked up version of it or because on there was like a piano version i think and a yeah on, there, were th- there were three there
1: were three versions. something actually.
0: else okay
1: no there were three versions eventide came out as a single actually and was a kind of a like a an acoustic with almost like a church organ background to it quite quite a good song very good song don't get me quite a brilliant song yeah um, and on the, the the back on the country of the blind when that was released on the 12 inch single on the b side they have an even even tide recital which was kind of like a like a trumpet or a, like a horn playing in the background on it so it's quite a cut down version of it
0: oh yeah strip the one
1: that i personally loved strip back good words yeah <laughs> the one i personally loved the most was on the double single for the country of the blind was the full band version of eventide controversial amongst faith brothers fans but that was my favorite version of it well, i
0: don't think that's controversial your what well, to your opinion yeah. so what happened after the that album then because obviously that they must have been getting a bit of momentum i would have thought
1: maybe well yeah i mean they were getting like there was momentum there's radio play you know they had the videos out for it these all these bands that they supported you know they should have really gone a lot further than that, that just didn't seem to happen right. and I don't know why that is. I really don't know. the the, the second album, *The Human Sound*, was produced by Steve Lillywhite. I mean, they put you know put a bit of money into you know, the production on that. Wow. Uh, the record company did. So.
0: And why did why didn't they you know why didn't that break through then? Because that was that marketing, do you think, or was that just they'd run their course? What was the you know? Do you know
1: what? I genuinely don't know. I mean, they had a great song on that called um, *Consider Me*.
2: Consider me beautifully...
1: And that was played on the radio one quite a lot. It just just never seemed to spark you know just didn't didn't spark off didn't kick off. Right. Um, I mean, it so does it happen, it. if we know. Oh, it does and, if yeah. did,
0: and let's face it, Noel. If you didn't, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. So that's true. So, so there, there you guys. have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that was the second album. Um, so did they finish after that, or did they keep they Yeah, you know, they didn't stay, they didn't stay for much longer
1: what? after that. No, they didn't stay for much longer. After the band itself finished, the lead singer, Billy, Billy Franks, uh, went on as a solo artist. Did a lot of good stuff, actually. Obviously, you and I have been to see him a few times, artist. I remember it very well. Fulham Greyhound being a particular highlight. Yes. <laughs> he had some great stuff. And um, he had a very loyal fan base as well. Yeah, so Billy just... Just went on and did his own thing. He had some great stuff out, self-pressed CDs and stuff. And he had, uh, he wrote a book called A Far Cry from the Sunset, which is a great read, really very interesting. And he had a film called Tribute This as well, which was worth a little watch if you got a a quiet couple of hours to have a look at it. A film that was made about Billy. Uh, it's a sort of doc. It is a documentary about his. He was always quite frustrated. He's a great songwriter, and he always felt that his work wasn't really being widely widely appreciated enough, and he rightly so, actually. And he wanted the he had the concept of getting uh, a, a sort of a bigger artist to to play one of his songs as part of their part of the stuff they do. So it, the the film follows him, you know, tracking down people like Brian Adams and people like Rod Stewart and so on, various different artists to. See see if they would they'd play one of his songs so that's it's kind of an interesting interesting little hmm. film for Un, watch unusual probably. concept yes did it get yeah. anywhere well did the film get anywhere i don't think it went to Cannes film festival <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about bill was that um one of his big fans actually was prince harry and uh Sorry, say that again he's one of his big fans was prince harry all oh, right okay yeah, go on back in the day yeah and um he had a few interactions with him actually and uh one of the things I read in, uh, I remember reading in the newspaper at the time, the, the Daily, whatever, Harry had been to watch Billy Franks at a gig at Shepherds Bush Empire. He then was uh, spotted by paparazzi heading to a bar called the Troubadour, that where you and I we, used to see we, Billy. I actually, know yeah. it very well, yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, for a short period, the fave brothers got together again.
0: Okay, the the, the famous reunion. Or infamous or
1: not infamous at all. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, no, let's be honest. They, me and many others were re- really, you know, missed the fact that, that they, were, they were gone. And they obviously felt that. And they, they knew that they would, would like, to, you know, a chance to, you know, at least for a short period, bring back those great memories, those great times. For us as fans, also also for them. As a band, so um, okay. so yeah. But the, the the final thing to say, which is this, is a sad ending to this story. Actually, is that that Billy actually passed away at the age of sixty years old. So wow. he died in in so uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, really yeah. really sad. Great bloke. I I like to have regarded him as a friend, to be honest, during the mm-hmm. time that he was around. Bless him. So yeah, that's the uh, but that's the Faith Brothers for you. Anyway, mm-hmm. he left okay. behind a legacy of a well, magic. Okay, all right, brilliant.
0: Well, thank you, Noel. That's really, really fascinating story about um, the Faith Brothers. And so, you know, for for us, um, this is our inaugural podcast. So be kind to us. Uh, we'll um, <laughs> as we get uh, as we get better along the way. I'm sure we've got uh, we've got a massive list of bands. Uh, we'll do another one in a few weeks' time where we'll start thinking about. So, if you've got an obscure '80s band that you want to listen to, um, or you want us to find out about, or you want us to talk about, or even come and talk to us about it, that's also absolutely great would be really happy to hear from you but hope you've enjoyed that thank you for listening and uh we'll uh, we'll see you next time thanks Cheers. a lot.
1: thank you